Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. This was one of my favorite episodes so far. Me and Dan were joined by Clay Hayes of Twisted Stave Media. Clay has had a YouTube channel for quite a few years now. He has all kinds of great content on that channel, whether it be woodsmanship, bow building, hunting content, family content, all kinds of great stuff on Clay's YouTube channel. I got that linked in the description of this podcast. Um, but what he's probably well most known for now is the winner of Season 8 of the History Channel show Alone. And we talked about everything Clay, Clay does um, during this, this, um, this episode, and I think everybody's going to really enjoy it. But before I get started with the show, i got to thank some of my sponsors, the first one being Stealth Outdoors. Lou and the crew at Stealth Outdoors um, are second to none when it comes to uh, customer service, when it comes to the product that they offer. Stealth Strips is hands down the best silencing tape on the market. And you can find that silencing tape at stealthoutdoors.com. Um, you, if you're not using Stealth Strips, you're missing out. It is a key factor uh, when it comes to to your gear uh, in the whitetail woods. So visit stealthoutdoors.com and get you some Stealth Strips. Also, got to thank Hunting Beast Gear. Um, Dan and Mario, they've really been working hard on, on Hunting Beast Gear. They produce the number one mobile hunting stand and sticks on the market in my opinion um the the weight to uh, size ratio is just unbelievable to me their mini sticks are awesome i just got some in some new mini sticks in the other day and got them all still stripped up and i'm really impressed with them so if you haven't tried out uh hunting beast gear we are actually going to be up in wisconsin at deer fest here um in the the first week of august there so come visit us there and check you out some uh, of the the beast gear um, and get you the stand and sticks at huntingbeastgear.com. Get you a three-fingered hook or two. We just, I think those are going to be back up on the website here pretty soon. You can order those. Okay, I got to talk to you about what ha- what Exodus has going on as well here. Um, if you're not familiar with hashtag Velvet Fest, that's going on right now until August 19th. It's the official start to deer season, and Exodus helps get the ball rolling for everyone's summer scouting. You know, I know whenever Velvet Fest comes around that it's time for me to get all my cameras deployed out in the field, and that's what I've been working on the last uh, uh, the last several uh, weeks here. They'll have awesome uh, prizes for people who use the hashtag Velvet Fest on social media, showing their whitetail adventures on social media. So if, you, if you're out and about posting stuff about um, deer hunting right now, throw in that hashtag Velvet Fest, and you got a chance to win you some cool gear. If you're in the market for a trail camera, Velvet Fest will be the perfect opportunity to get ready for this season. Exodus will send out exclusive savings through their email newsletter uh, throughout the, the campaign here until August 19th. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, go to ExodusOutdoorGear.com and get signed up. There's free money in there, guys. Uh, but they're going to get things started uh, by offering 20% off any multi-Exodus render or any render bundle. Um, order for the first 100 orders so go to their uh, go in there and whenever you check out use the code velvetfest to lock in some awesome savings of 20 percent off Um, on top of that every single camera order comes with a random price card that's i've I've been told it includes some huge deals even including the all-new exodus mmt tailored arrows so visit us visit exodusoutdoorgear.com and get you some savings right now guys All right, let's get into the show. 
Hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. I don't know what show we're up to now. 18, I guess. I look at the title. How's it going, Dan? Good. Doing good. Anything exciting going on? Carol walking in behind you? Yeah, she's... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to catch uh, some cats that got outside. Oh. We made a great escape and busted out the window. And I put yeah. some traps out, but they kind of figured out what the traps were. And Always something going on at your house with yeah. animals. <laughs> well, uh, we got a, a special guest uh, waiting at the bottom of the, the screen. Um I just almost almost finished his book. I'm a slow reader, so I we haven't got it all the way all the way through yet. But uh, we got Mr. Clay Hayes waiting to to come up and, and talk. Uh, you ready to bring him up, Dan? Yeah, you know uh, I don't like much TV or anything. I pretty much hate hunting TV, which yeah. is kind of weird because of my uh, profession. Right. But uh, I love that show alone. When yeah. it. and uh, I really enjoyed uh, watching the series with Clay and watching him win. And I alone is probably one of the only shows that I got like emotionally attached to where you're just like, I don't know, you, you almost kind of feel what the um, participants are um, are going through, not physically, but you know what I mean? Like it's a it's a it's a mental show for you where you, you have to see the next one or you're rooting for a certain person. And um, and it's not so it's not so overly corny either, where some reality shows are like almost unbearable to. Um, right, most TV directors ain't got you know um, a clue on what real yeah. people are like and what they want to see, so it yeah. cornifies a good idea. Yeah, but that that one seems to have stayed uh, pretty good, pretty true. Yeah, uh, I like that show. Yep. So He's let's actually badass to win that show too. It's, uh, yeah, watching yeah. what those guys go through and what they eat and do yeah. to survive is pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, let's let's uh, let's quit talking about it and let's bring the guy that actually knows what he's talking about with uh, alone up here on the on the screen. So, Hi, Clay. hey Clay, what's happening, guys? Nothing, man. Waiting around for September now. It's coming quicker than I would like it to. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's it always seems like there's not enough time to prepare. Yeah, yeah you, we were talking kind of beforehand. You what, what did you say? You said something about uh, it's either it's either real far away or it's coming too fast. <laughs> Yeah, it's like when when September ends, it's it's just too far till the next one, and then before you know it, it's coming way too fast. Because I mean, there's not enough time. There's just not enough time to get ready, do all the things you got to do. No, and then I've I've been thinking too. Like I uh, I quit my job. Well, July thirty first is my first uh, my last day at my real job. Uh, well, congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I'm trying to make a go with this and helping Dan out and this and that. And, um, now I'm thinking like when I go on a hunting trip, like I got to have something figured out for this thing for, you know, 10 days or whatever. Mm. So that's a, like a reality that kind of set on, on me earlier this month. I'm like, gosh, I got to plan ahead for stuff now. Yeah. You'll start, uh, you'll start banking content and having it roll out while you're, while you're gone. Yeah. That's one um, of the reasons it comes too fast is because there's never enough time to make enough videos to, to be rolling out while I'm out in the woods. Yeah. And then when you're didn't didn't in hunting season, like you gotta you wanna be hunting, you know, it's like but then I gotta spend a full day. And then a lot of people don't realize like what it takes to make a video for YouTube either. Yeah, you know, it's not just like we go hunting and they pop up on YouTube. 
Um, so, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> yeah. Is there an oh yeah, that'd be nice, huh? Oh, uh, so Clay, I uh, I've been reading your your book here. I got I put it right here, Surviving Alone. And in the in the book, I think you describe yourself as a a woodsman. I think you're a, a lot more than that. Um, you're a, you're a traditional boyer. You're a um, um, a, a bow hunter, and you're a, a father. And uh, I was wondering if you could just give us a rundown of who Clay Hayes is in, in your mind and, and kind of what you do. Um, well, I'm just a guy that loves bow hunting and traditional archery, and I've always always been that way. I've always been attracted to the outdoors, spent as much time in the in the woods as I could as a kid. Um, I was very fortunate to have, uh, very fortunate to grow up the way I did. Uh, where I did. And at the time I did, I, I grew up on a ranch in what used to be rural uh, Florida and uh, had all the land I could roam on, all the freedom uh, that I could ever want and just spent my time hunting and fishing and doing all the things that, that uh, I love to do and never quit. Just kind of kept on with that. Um, became a wildlife biologist and worked uh, for the state of Idaho for about 10 years. And uh, thanks to this platform that we're on right now, YouTube, um, started making videos just because I like to do it, not ever thinking that it would ever turn into anything. And uh, but it did. I mean, it, by by 2017, I had built up my following enough um, that YouTube combined with, you know, writing magazine articles and selling stuff on the websites, different things like that um, put me into a position where I thought I could make it. And I did just like you did quit my job and um, happy to say everything worked out just freaking amazing. I mean, I couldn't, couldn't be any, I wouldn't change a thing. It was, it's been awesome. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was kind of watching the chat here and there's some people asking about your, your YouTube channel. Um, Pitch it real quick, just so people people know right off the bat. Uh, so, if you just Google my name, Clay Hayes, yeah, it'll it'll come up. Uh, but there's a lot of stuff on traditional archery, um, building bows, and I've always done. I've always sprinkled some like bushcraft and survival stuff in there, but uh, alone just hit netflix and the youtube channel's freaking going nuts right now and so <laughs> um i've been doing more of that type of stuff more survival bushcraft type stuff um you know one of the one of the interesting things or one of the frustrating things about youtube is although it's a fantastic platform it can it'll pigeonhole you sometimes like if you're like my channel's always been known for traditional archery and bow building and so if I ever did a video that kind of deviated from that, it just wouldn't do much. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been awesome here the last month or so, because uh, with Alone hitting Netflix, there's a lot of eyeballs on the YouTube channel. And that allows me to branch out into doing these other things that I'm interested in. So it's been it's been great. Yeah, it's cool. And you have I mean, you have tons of cool hunts on there, too, whether it be hunting oh, yeah. pigs in Florida to um, you know, deer in Florida and then all the way up to Idaho where you live, 
all kinds of hunts there too. Elk hunts. You guys do a awesome uh, trad camp. I think you call it trad camp in the in the winter time in yeah, Idaho, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, those are always cool left, to, to watch. Left that left that part of the YouTube channel out. <laughs> yeah, there's a a big part of it is is traditional bow hunting. Um, yeah, you know we 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 live in Idaho. Our 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 permanent full time re- residence is in Idaho, and so we hunt elk and deer and and all that bear and all that stuff out here and then usually in january we we head down to florida where i grew up and do a bunch of adventures down there we do a bunch of hog hunting um river float trips i mean uh all sorts of stuff like that so yeah with september just coming around the corner uh one of the cool things we do is we pack up the whole family we got a big wall tent the whole setup and we just go live in the mountains until i kill an elk which you know, that could be like last year was a freak year. I, I killed an elk in like three days. Um, but the year before that, we were up there for three weeks. And so that's, yeah. that's fun, you know, having the whole family up there. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really respect what you uh, have done with your, your family and kind of how you've raised your boys. They seem like they're going to be real good little men. And uh, the way you have kept your um, family involved in what you do and, and all that seems like a real good way of going about it. So um, you're a good uh, role model for someone like me trying to do the same thing. Well, I appreciate it. It's, it's easy. I mean, it's easy to get caught up in what you're doing and just kind of neglect some of that stuff. Um, But I mean, I have to constantly remind myself that, you know, my two boys, they're not going to be little, you know, forever. They're going to grow up. They're going to, not want to follow me around in the woods forever and so um Mm -hmm. i've made it a priority to to take them into the woods as much as i can and that that september elk kind is um that's a that's something that we all look forward to pretty much all year and then my uh my oldest boy uh koi he's not he's hunted before but he's not he never really took with him he just doesn't have the interest uh but the younger one finn uh, who just mm-hmm. started a, a YouTube channel of his own. Yeah. So you I was going to shout out. him out. I got, I got some, I got Liz on here too, to shout her out too. Um, but he's, he's got the bug. And so this, that just this year, his, he's old enough now to hunt big game in Idaho. And so mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to have him out, you know, we'll probably for elk, we'll probably elk hunt with a rifle with him. Uh, but for deer, I've got a little stand out here behind the house. We're going to, I'm going to, see if I can get him to stick a deer with his little self bow. Yeah. He killed a pig with a self bow a couple years ago now, wasn't it? He, he did. He was, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was seven years old. So we're, I was down in South Florida hunting with, um, Ryan Gill. who has got another YouTube channel. He's a yep. more print, a little bit more primitive type mm-hmm. focus than I am, but, uh, we're down there hunting with him and I had shot a pig the evening before. And so, I didn't even have my bow with me this, uh, that day. I, I was just filming for Ryan <clears throat> and Finn was along. He had his little bow. Uh, it was like, I don't remember what the poundage was like 25 pounds or something like that. And I had one arrow that I, one broadhead arrow that I carried for him. And we got into a group of pigs and I, I could turn my attention to Ryan with the camera and Finn came running up to me. I just handed him his arrow and just, he ran off and did his own thing. <laughs> Right. Like five minutes later, he comes running up to me and says, I shot one. I shot one. And I looked at him and was like, you like really shot a pig? And there was another fellow there that actually saw it. And he said, yeah, he shot one. I saw it run off with the arrow. 
<laughs> so I was like, I was like, all right, well, let's go see if we can find it. And um, we uh, we picked up this blood trail, and at the end of this blood trail, there's a a, a 98 pound bar hog that, that he'd killed with a 20 something pound self bow one arrow by himself he's just out running the woods by himself <laughs> that's awesome. all right kind of kid <laughs> yeah no kidding um so clay we were but before we get on i'm trying to keep my what we talked about before and what we've already talked about on the podcast straight but what we uh what you really have gotten known for the last uh couple of years and now like you said netflix is coming out with your season of alone is you were the winner of season eight of alone um on chilco island and i want to talk to you about that a little bit i also want to talk to you a little bit about bow building too um just because i know that's probably your your first passion um but so i don't really want to talk about like your the process of applying for a loan uh, alone not a loan alone um but I want to talk about more of like the process between, hey, I'm going to be on a loan and then getting dropped off at a loan. Like, how did you get prepared for trying to stay someplace for as long as you could? <laughs> well, um, when I when I first got in contact with the casting folks, um, it was probably late March, early April of 2020. I can't remember exactly what the timeline is, but um, I, I figured there was a pretty good chance that I would get on the show. And so I start, I, I basically treated it like it was my job to prepare for that show. Um, and luckily I was in a position where I could do that. Um, you know, I, content creation is what I do. And so if you, if, if you, nobody knew what was going on, cause I couldn't tell anybody, but if you look back at my YouTube channel, I mean, there was, I was doing more like, survival type stuff at that time you know building shelters yeah. and I'm, traps I'm and on your, stuff uh, like that i'm on your patreon and uh i remember getting the message about like hey i'm gonna oh, be yeah. on an extended trip for we don't know when i'm coming back uh so you try to get a hold of me i'm not here uh, yeah um, anyway sorry go ahead so you know for those couple of months i i basically couldn't think of anything like when i i don't know what it is about my personality or my mind or whatever but when i get keyed in on something like that i just can't like that's what i do i i can't i don't do i don't look outward i just look at that thing and so um i knew that i needed to gain weight which i've never been able to gain weight in my life like i'm 155 pounds right now and i've probably graduated high school at 150 pounds um and so i knew that that just probably wasn't going to cut it out there Cause you need some buffer, you know, I don't care how damn good you are in the woods. You need a buffer out there. Cause you're going to have some slim times of putting food on the table. And so, um, God bless her. My wife, Liz, I couldn't have done it without her, but I was able to gain 20 pounds and I started about 160 and went in there at 180. Um, and she, she fed me loaded baked potatoes. And I mean, just, I was so full, like for those from, um, or let's say early April until we launched in on September 18th, I was never not uncomfortably full. I mean, just like stuffed eating three huge meals a day. And that's what it took. And that and drinking weight gainer shakes. 
so I gained a little bit of weight uh, as much as I could. Um, and then I started practicing things like making gill nets, um, friction. I bet I made a thousand friction fires during those couple of months. Um, I made a, uh, I made a fishing rod that I could cast and reel using just using only the things that I would have out there. Um, so I spent a lot of time preparing because I knew it was very likely going to be the most difficult thing I'd ever attempted in my life. Yeah. That fishing rod sweet. You got a video on your channel about how you made it. Yeah. It's Did you cool. have an idea of, uh, what area you're going to be going to, or did they tell you when you left? We didn't, they were very, uh, hush hush about, uh, even like what region we were going to. Um, I think we finally, it was probably late July before they even would give us like a, um, a biotype. Like, I think the description they gave us was something along the lines of you're going to be at a lake around so-and-so elevation, uh, with this forest type. And that's about it. Mm-hmm. And so you couldn't, there was no like scouting you couldn't pull this area up on on maps and like pre-scout the area or anything like that i was more thinking about like studying uh, edibles and stuff like that. oh yeah um there there was you could do that to a very limited extent um and even once we got out there uh on the lake we went so we, there's like a 10-day orientation period before they put you out in the woods and um we, we walked around with one of the local experts that knew the plants and, and just kind of looked at different things, mm-hmm. but there's such a huge difference in the habitats from the North side of that Lake to the South side. And you didn't have any idea where you were going to be. And even East to West, there's a, a big difference in the moisture gradient. And so that has a big impact on what vegetation grows there. And so you could study something up at the North side of that Lake and get dropped off in a completely different habitat type down at the south side and you got no control over that you know uh, when i was watching the show um the guy that was uh second place yeah i was uh, looking at him and thinking man that would be my ploy as i'd go there and gain weight and i was thinking about you and i was thinking why didn't he gain a bunch of weight you know and uh i, I just uh was on your site just before we did this and i watched your uh review of um uh, of the episode one and two and you talking about weight gain and i watched you going through the trying to gain weight and i was laughing my ass off but, um, <laughs> yeah i drive by a mcdonald's and i gave gain i was pounds. gonna say i could gain 20 pounds like <laughs> by the end of the weekend dude like that's how i am <laughs> yeah, it was amazing but, uh, well i tell you i i'm 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 very thankful for the body type i have because i can eat anything i want and not gain yeah. any weight but man i'll tell you in a survival situation that is not an advantage for sure. We probably should like back up and give like everybody just an overview of what a loan is. I guess the concept of it, because I've seen some people on here that may not exactly know uh, the concept. Could you just like a real quick elevator pitch of the loan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of the overall idea of this. It's, so it's a it's a television show. It's on the History Channel, which mm-hmm. now you can see it on Netflix. Um, there's they select 10 people and you get to select 10 very basic items. We're talking things like uh, a sleeping bag, um, a pot, an axe, saw, ferro rod, you know, very, very basic things like that. Uh, a bow and arrow is one item. And then they take these 10 people to some very remote wilderness area where you're never going to see anybody else. 
and they drop you off individually. So we, my season was filmed on a, on a very big lake in British Columbia. And so they take these 10 people, they drop, they string them out up and up and down this lake in different areas. And then they say, adios, we'll come get you when the last person is standing. And so, you know, you have a camera case full of gear, batteries, media cards, sat phones, stuff like that. And so if you ever get to a point where you don't think you can continue or you don't want to continue, you can call them and say, hey, come and get me. Um, but the last person out there wins uh, half a million dollars. And that's kind of the, that's the overall yeah. context. Thank you. Good job. Um, I was going to talk to you a little bit too about, uh, I'm sure during that process, you probably gnawed over what gear you're going to bring into the, um, into the show. And I, I have, I've, I've seen what you, you guys typically bring. Is there anything that you brought that you wish you hadn't or traded out? Um, I was pretty happy with everything that I took. Uh, the only thing that didn't really work out at, as well as I would have hoped was my gill net. Um, and I, I think that, see, one of the things that, that people don't get that, that's not, that doesn't come across very well in the show is, is that you, even though they drop you off here out there and you have to like scrape a living from the landscape, hunting, fishing, trapping, foraging, all that stuff, you still got to follow the hunting, fishing rigs. And so one of the regulations that they set for us is that they allowed us to use gill nets, but they, we couldn't set them out until like day 40 or something like that. And in hindsight, I, I, I'm pretty confident that the only reason they let us set gill nets after day 40 is because that they, they knew the fish were going to dive off into deep water and nobody was going to catch anything. Mm. <laughs> so yeah. it's a waste of I time. took, <laughs> yeah. I took paracord. I took uh, one of the items that you could take was 80 meters of paracord. So I took that um, because I was planning on making a gill net out of it. And I, and I did that. And then I used the sheath of the paracord. So I used the interior cores to make mm -hmm. the gill net. And then I made the sheath to rig up like a, almost like a clothesline system to take that thing out into the water and bring it back. Um, I don't know I, if I would have to think about it um whether i would replace that with something else or if i would just figure out a different way to set that gill net down deeper where it might be more effective i don't know yeah so um this kind of leads me in by my next question i always wondered about this like when you got dropped off on the island what was your like number one priority um when you got there was it like making shelter or were you kind of worried about food um I don't know if you could speak on that a little bit. So just to clarify, the Chilco is a lake, yeah. not an island. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chilco Lake, yeah. <laughs> um, but my priority, so when when they dropped me off, um, I basically just grabbed a camera, strung up my bow, and started walking. And I wanted to, like the, the whole first week I was there, I never started on a shelter. I just strung up a tarp basically and lived under a tarp for that, that week. But I wanted to explore my land. I wanted to make sure that I knew my land so that I could set up my permanent camp in the best possible place um, that had good access to whatever resources, a good fishing hole, water, um, 
decent small game hunting and trapping. I, I wanted to make sure that I wasn't right smack in the middle of the best big game hunting area on my place. Um, and I walked around for a week and it, as it turned out, the, the best place for a camp on my whole site was right exactly where they dropped me. But like mm-hmm. I said, I didn't know that at, at the time. I didn't know that until I walked around and, and scouted the area. Hmm. Yeah. One thing, uh, uh, I noticed, um, on the show was that, uh, everybody's really crafty. Like they're making, uh, signs with the, you know, naming their shelter and being funny a lot and stuff. And it almost seemed, uh, uh a little bit like, uh, it was pushed on everybody. Uh, is that, is that something that's kind of pushed on it? Cause I would think that if it were me and I was there, I, my focus would be on everything I expend energy on would be to gain calories or, or something like that, you know? Yeah, no, it's, um, there's nothing that's pushed on you like that, but so when you first get there, there's things that need, like have to be done. You, you got to explore your site. You've got to figure out what resources you have, what food resources you have, where your fishing spot is. You need to get a shelter done and all that stuff. But there, there, there comes like a, like a tipping point almost when you start to accomplish all of those necessities up front. And then you get into this period when you, you've got some idle time to kill. And for, for me, the later it went, like I had more and more idle time. Um, and it, there's a lot of calorie expenditure that, that gets factored into that. Like you, I got to a point where I realized I couldn't be as active as I wanted to be because I was, I was burning through calories too fast. And so I kind of forced myself to be inactive. And so you've got a lot of time to occupy. And I, you know, if you watch my season there towards the end, I can't remember what episode it is. I was carving, I carved my boys like some little bushcraft airplane, like bush planes. Uh, mm-hmm. They're pretty cool. I got little propellers that spin and everything. Um, I even made a dovetail freaking box out there with a inset bottom because I just was, I was looking for things to fill my time. Um, but I, towards the end there, I mean, we were talking about, you know, seven, eight hours of daylight and then really long nights and then the weather's turning crappy. And so you've got like, there were times when I would be in my shelter for, you know, I might come out for an hour a day for like three days in a row just to check my snares or something because the weather was so crappy. Um, so yeah, you got a lot of time to kill. Hmm. Yeah. It'd be hard not to give notes in there. Um, yeah, yeah. you talked, you talked about regulations and having to follow regulations. Um, you end up, so we're primarily a deer hunting podcast and, uh, you end up killing you a deer, uh, during the season. Was there in the book, I'm trying to recall, uh, I was reading your book. You're talking about there was like a point restriction for a while when you were there. Is that right? On your, the size of deer you could kill? Yeah. So in that part of BC, um, they, I think, I think they launched us on September 18th and it was for the first 10 or 12 days. I can't remember exactly the time frame. But we had a four point, it was buck only, four point only. And then after that, it went to buck only. Um, and so, yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even bother hunting deer, you know, for the first, until that point restriction um, relaxed. Um, but luckily after that, yeah, I, I found, like, I was there for two and a half months and I saw two deer. <laughs> 
and I, by some damn miracle, I killed the only <laughs> legal one I saw with a stick bow. I mean, that, that would have been a damn hard hunt with a rifle. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of hunting, one, one thing that, uh, that uh, bothered me a little bit was uh, when you had the encounter with the mountain lion, I was like, how come he doesn't have his bow right with him? <laughs> but maybe you know, because deer weren't legal yet or. You know, I, um, I, before going out there, I went through a lot of scenarios in my head. I was like, you know, okay, if, if this happens, then I'll do this. If this happens, I'll do this. And not once in all those <laughs> running back in my head did i come to the or did i go over the scenario of if i get stalked by a mountain lion this is what i'm gonna do <laughs> yeah and so yeah because you you guys had a lot of worry about uh grizzly bears right that's kind of what they were preaching oh, to yeah. you. Yeah, yeah there were there were grizzly bears everywhere and i had several really close calls with grizz yeah. um you had to spray one didn't you i sprayed yeah i had um this was uh, sometime in October. I can't remember. We we had just got a a big dump of fresh powder. We had like a like a foot of fresh powder on the ground, and um, I was going to go fishing that morning. And uh, instead of I usually would, if I was going to go fishing, I'd go out and take a right and and go to the south um, along the lake shore to my fishing hole. But if if I walked a little bit farther, um, there was a little point where I could see way up the north. To, uh, way up to the north on the, the lake shore. And so I just walked out there just to see what, what I might see. Cause I'd seen moose and eagles and all sorts of stuff up there. And so I just wanted to see if I could potentially see something with all that fresh snow. And I looked, I don't know, 500 yards, four or 500 yards up the beach. And there was a grizzly walking down the, the lake shore coming to my uh, area. And I figured he would just come right by. And I wanted to get some good footage of him. And, but the problem was all I had with me was a little kind of a crappy little JVC camera. And so I ran back up to my shack, which was only like 50 yards away and got my, got the other bigger camera. And while I was up there, I figured out the batteries, you know, the mic batteries were dead. So you're fiddling around with that crap, trying to get the new bike batteries and all that stuff. I went back down to the lake shore and I didn't see the bear anymore. And so I figured, well, he just went into the woods and he's still coming my way. I'll just walk down the beach a little way, cut some distance, and then I'm going to cut into the woods and I'm just going to get set up and let him walk right by me. I'll have the wind on him. You know, if everything works out, he's going to walk right by me. I'll get some great footage. He'll never know I was there. And I did that. I walked down the beach, maybe 75 or 100 yards and cut into the woods and I made it 15 or 20 yards in the woods and I'm looking at my feet. There's a smoking hot grizzly trail and I'm sitting here looking at this track, trying like running this through my head. Like why in the hell am I looking at a fresh grizzly track when this bear ought to be up here? He, he shouldn't be here yet. And then out of the corner of my eye, I see a flash of Brown and I turn to look and this freaking bear is like, full on running right dead at me. I had my bow in my left hand, the camera in the right hand, I had bear spray on my hip. I threw my bow down, switched the camera to the left hand, pulled out my bear spray with the right. And there was a big fir tree between me and the bear. And I ran up to that fir tree to try to get some cover uh, in case this bear was serious, set the camera down and had it kind of pointed towards the bear. 
um, and he stopped at maybe 25 feet just on the other side of that fir tree. And I, the, the tree was obscuring him a little bit. I couldn't really tell what he was doing, but I, I knew like the next thing I know he makes a move and I just point my bear spray over to the left-hand side of that tree, the way he was going, I hose that whole area down. And next thing I know he's taken off on his way out. Um, mm. but as it turned out, looking at that footage later, he was already wheeling around to take off before I ever even hit the bear mm. spray. I mean, I, I never hit him with the stuff. Now they also gave you one of those, uh, horns, right? Yeah. I had a, like just an air horn that they mm. give you. Um, and I actually used that for, I made, so getting kind of jumbled up here, but so I, I killed this deer and while the, while the weather was still warm, and so I had to preserve the meat somehow. You don't have any refrigeration or anything like that. So I ended up building a smokehouse, like a miniature log cabin smokehouse. I cut this whole deer into little quarter-inch jerky strips with my Leatherman and hung all that inside this little smokehouse um, to, to make jerky and cure it out. Um, but it took me three days to cure that meat out. And, and so for three days, my meat was on the ground in that smokehouse where the, where a bear could get to it. And that made, I was real nervous about that because that's basically my, I mean, that'd be like taking every dollar you've got in the bank or invested and putting it in a briefcase and setting it outside on the sidewalk yeah, and walking away. You know, that's the way I felt about that deer meat at that time. Um, and so I took that air horn and made a, basically made an alarm system with a tripwire on it. And I put that, and all this is on the show, um, but yeah. I put that there by my, uh, by the smokehouse in case a bear was messing around, you know, it would sound off that, that foghorn and I'd be alerted, uh, to try and come out and do something, uh, about it. Now you had said that, uh, you had accidentally let all the air out of the air horn or something like that. Yeah. So I actually did a, um, a video on my, uh, YouTube channel about a, like a, a bear alarm 2.0, where I fixed that problem. Um, but the way that I had this thing set up with this, so the air horn was like in a canister and had this little button on top and I had a, a lever going across that button and then a, a string tied to the end of the lever and then run down, down through a pulley. So, you know, if a, something hit the string, it pulled down on the lever, but I had, um, there was just enough tension in it so that when I, when I had the, the lever on the horn, it had, I couldn't hear it but it was just enough to kind of leak that air out over a couple of days. And so got my, uh, my bear alarm was, was kaput. So I thought, I thought it was interesting that, uh, that you said you didn't have that no more. And I thought, well, it was a safety device. I'm surprised they didn't replace it. Well, I never told them. I oh. never told them that I, yeah, they would yeah. have, they, they would have replaced it. Do they check on you, uh, daily? No, they don't. So, no, not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> they uh, so they do come back. They they do they do come back for medical checks just to make sure you're uh, you're healthy enough to continue. Um, and then during that time, they give you new batteries and new media cards. Um, and so the frequency of those medical checks varies as the season goes on. And so early in the season, I think the longest I ever went without seeing anybody was about three weeks or so. Oh, really? um, yep. But as the season goes on, they, and, and people's body conditions start to deteriorate, those med checks 
come more frequently. And so they're towards the end of the season. They're coming out every seven to 10 days or so to check on you. And of course you've got, you know, you have, you have the sat phone um, to, to, you know, so if anything goes wrong, you can call them and, and they'll come and get you immediately at as long as the weather permits. I mean, there has been times in past seasons where people have called and they just can't get there because it is a, I mean, it's a true wilderness setting and, you know, you got weather and all sorts of stuff, logistics to, to account for. You're uh, the deer you shot. Could you walk us through that a little bit, like that kind of hunt and how, how you end up shooting it? Yeah. Um, so like I said, I mean, they, they were just wanting, this is, if you hired an outfitter to take you on a drop hunt and they dropped you in this area, you'd be real mad. Yeah. <laughs> you'd call them and say, <laughs> come get me. There just, there just wasn't very many deer there. Um, and so, I don't know, I killed that deer, I think, on like day 21 or 22 or something like that. And I think maybe just a couple of days before that, I had seen my first like really fresh deer sign. Uh, and it was in a little, like m- most of my stand was lodgepole. Um, and if, if, if you're a Western hunter and, and you're familiar with that type of habitat, it's just not a very productive habitat. You know, you've got the trees, there's very little browse underneath. It's, it's, Mm-hmm. not diverse at all. Um, but there were these little isolated depressional wetlands where they would be other things. They'd be like wild roses and different sedges and, and um, snowberry and different things like that. And I was walking through one of those areas one day and I found some deer, uh, deer pellets from that morning. And I wasn't exa- I wasn't sure exactly where I was. And so I, I scouted around a little bit, um, but this, this wetland that I was in was very small. I mean, it's quarter acre or so. And I thought the deer might still be in there, but it was at the time, it was at a time of day when the wind was pretty shifty. And so instead of pushing it and, and trying to find those deer that day, I just backed out and just to be safe. Cause I didn't want to run them out. Cause I mean, if there had been more deer, I probably would have pushed it, but with, with so little deer, Um, I didn't want to run them out of there. So I backed out, came back a few days later and found some more fresh deer sign. And I, I basically was just still hunting, um, and still hunting for those of you who aren't familiar with it. It's basically, you're just, you're moving through the woods, um, very, very slowly through likely areas, uh, keeping an eye and ear out. You're trying to detect an animal before they detect you. Um, and you know, you might, you might move a hundred yards and it might take you an hour or two to, to move that hundred yards. Um, and so I was, I was still hunting my way through this area and I had this red squirrel jump up a tree, just, I don't know, 10 feet from me and start churring and barking at me. And so I just squatted down just wanted to let the woods settle down a little bit. And when I stood up, this little buck that I ended up killing, he must have been looking at that red squirrel. And he, he either heard me or saw me, but he didn't know what I was. He bounded off. He was like, he stopped at like 40 yards. And where I was, there was not a stitch of cover. I mean, I didn't have anything. And so I just froze. He stopped at like 40 yards and looked back over his shoulder and 
by some miracle, it was a spike, which was the absolute <laughs> perfect animal to run into because he looked at me. You know how they do. They look and they do their head like this and they stomp and they turn around. Well, he kept doing that and until he just came to the conclusion that I wasn't anything to be worried about and started browsing. He put his head down behind the brush and I, I got down on a knee and I let him get a little bit more comfortable and then I grunted at him with my voice and he threw his head up and did that whole head bobbing thing again and then he started kind of just easing his way to me browsing and he stopped at 25 yards with his head behind a tree I mean perfect the only tree between me and him he stopped with his head behind it <laughs> I said man it ain't gonna get no better than that and so I come back to full draw and by you know another lucky break that I had is I've got a I've got a deer target that's 25 yards from my back door and I make that shot every single day. I just made that same shot that I make every day, and it freaking pinwheeled him, and he <laughs> he went about 50 yards and piled up in a um, in a little little meadow. And I tell you, I've killed a lot of animals with a stick bow, and I have never experienced the kind of emotions that I experienced at that time. Um, I mean, nothing even remotely close. Uh, because that deer, I mean, at that time, I... That's the show right there. That's, I mean, that's why that's, it's so emotional. Yeah, I mean, that's everything. But the, I think the the big reason it was so emotional to me is because I was so, like, I was, I'd caught a few, so I'd shot a grouse on, like, day two or something like that. I'd caught, I think, four or five fish by that time. I'd found some mushrooms and some, like, wild carrot, little, little bitty wild carrots the size of your pinky. And so you, you think about eating, you know, four fish this big, one grouse, and some mushrooms for three weeks. You're freaking hungry. Yeah. And not only that. I couldn't, I hadn't caught, by the time I shot this deer, I hadn't caught a fish in a week, even though I'd fished every single day, I just couldn't catch a fish. And so I had smoked that, that extra fish I had, I had smoked the fillets and I was running out of meat. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, man, like I can't, it, my time here is coming to an end. They are going, I'm going to lose too much weight. They're going to pull me for malnutrition and then that's one thing i forgot to mention if you get in, if your body condition deteriorates too far they'll pull you off the show for medical reasons and so i'm thinking this is what this is my fate and so i'm stressed out with knowing that the end is coming and then when that when i shoot that deer and i round the corner in the grass and see that little buck lying there it's like oh my god like the weight of the world is lifted off my shoulders man i was on top of the world yeah. Were you uh, yeah. allowed to hunt uh, black bears? No, unfortunately not. And and um, I didn't. I saw one black bear track on my beach. I never saw the bear. Um, I could now grizzlies. I could have killed several grizzlies uh, with my bow, but of course that was not allowed either. <laughs> so what could you hunt? Um, they the well they. One right, deer. One, you had one deer, um, and rabbits. 
and grouse. They were uh, spruce grouse and rough grouse there. I think that was it. It's not a lot of stuff. It's a it's it's a hard area, and um, you know, people ask me if I would ever do it again. That's one of the most common questions people ask me, and I say I wouldn't go back there again because. Yeah. Um, you know, historically people never lived there full time because it, mm-hmm. you just can't, I mean, it's not, you, it's not a place that you can support yourself. Um, now if, if, if I was, uh, I, I would consider doing it again, get given a different location where you have better, uh, hunting and fishing opportunities. Yeah. I think yeah, I would. the same thing, if it's bad for you, it's bad for everybody else. So it's still just a matter of how long you survive, but a little of luck's involved in it too. Yeah. But at, I mean, for, for me and my skill sets, like I can't, I'm not going to be able to outstarve anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, my skill set is hunting um, and to a much lesser extent fishing. And so, you know, if I had, if I had an area where the hunting opportunities were more, I, I would feel that I'd feel good about going back there. When, when uh, you ended up uh, getting the news that you won, you look like you're just about to tap out from my eyes, from my view. And uh, the guy that came close to getting you the second place person. I think most of what he did was because of the weight he gained. Yeah. That's so one of the things that alone is as real as it gets. I mean, they drop you. There's nothing fake about the experience of being out there. They drop you off and they, I mean, it's up to you to sink or swim. But with that said, they will kind of fiddle with the timeline and, and kind of fiddle with the footage that they give you or that you give them a little bit to try to create. That yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And so, um, one of the things that they said, which never happened was they, they said that I ran out of deer meat and I, I never ran out of deer meat. I, I came out with like 10 pounds and I even, <laughs> when I, if, if you watch that last clip of the series, when I'm getting on the helicopter, you can actually see two grouse dangling off my backpack. So <laughs> I mean, I had food and I, there was, I was not going to quit anytime soon. Um, I could have made it. I I said I could have made it to day 90 and that would have been, you know, I could have done that without issue. And if I had kept, you know, towards the end of the season, I was catching, um, I was catching rabbits and grouse in my snares. And then I was also shooting grouse with my bow. And if that had continued, I could have made it, you know, past a hundred days. I feel pretty certain. Correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it uh, you that had the issue with a fisher eating your rabbits out of your traps? Yeah, but that's another thing that, um, Josh, you'll get, if you haven't got there yet, you'll get there in the book. Um, yeah, <laughs> that, that's another Halfway. thing that, that's another thing that they kind of manipulated a little bit. Um, they, they, I think they used some of my voiceover from somewhere else to make it look like I was trying to run that fisher off. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> Um, I actually, the, the fisher was super cool. I like, I really enjoyed having him like in, in camp. I mean, he would come to my camp like every single night for the last two weeks I was there and he would get like, if I had rabbit bones or grouse bones or rabbit guts or something like that, I'd leave him right outside the door and he'd come every single night and get those things. And this fisher had, I feel pretty confident saying he'd never seen a person before. So he 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 became so accustomed to me that he would he'd be walking around three feet from me, um, and he even tried to come in the shelter on a couple of occasions. And I had to it's like, man, there's not enough room in here for both of us. You just stay out there. <laughs> um, 
but I really look forward to every every evening he would come. I'd, I'd stay up and wait for him, um, and I, I look forward to that because it was just it was almost like having a dog around camp. You know, he's just yeah, oh, buddies yeah. to talk to. <laughs> yeah, like like Dan's coons. Yeah, yeah I, actually, on a wilderness hunt I went on, I had a um, a red fox that came and hang out with us and would eat cookies out of our hands. Would jump in the yep. truck with me. I wanted to drive it home with me. It was like my buddy. <laughs> so I it's kind of it's kind of cool yeah, yeah that's funny yeah, they portrayed it like it was kind of like a, a dangerous pesky little monster yeah and i you know for my season and and the edit that they did for me i i felt pretty good about it like um i think they did a pretty good job that mm-hmm. was the one thing that i was like man really because i had some i had some awesome footage of that fisher i mean there was one evening um i left the door to my shack open i just set the camera on the threshold and he would, he came up to the cameras, like sniffing the camera lens. And I mean, it's just awesome footage and they, they, they're still sitting on it. Maybe they'll release some of that in the YouTube or something. So one day you, you think they could have made a story about him being your buddy or something, you know, like I've seen, I've seen him making stories about people having squirrels as friends, you know, it's like, <laughs> that seems a lot cooler a fisher, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there, there's any number of ways that, you know, you give 10 different people that footage, they're going to tell 10 different stories. Yeah, that's um, true. What do I know? I don't, but they, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they were just trying to, you know, make it, they were trying to keep the, keep the drama going. Yeah. And, and to some degree, I, I guess they're not there either. They're just looking at what you hand them. Right. Or they interview you really hard after you get out of there or something. Um, no, you do, you do a pretty extensive interview after you get off. Um, and then when they come and do their med checks, they kind of get uh, a bullet list of what was going on that week. So they kind of know what's going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I had a bunch of hours of footage of that, that fisher. And then, hmm. but anyway, <laughs> what was the uh, nonstop filming? Do you have like uh, cameras going constantly or pretty much? I mean, when you, when you, before you go out, that's one of the things they really drill into your head is like, you need to film everything just like roll cameras. They give you a bunch of batteries, a bunch of media cards, and so you're like the camera's pretty much steadily going all the time. And we had previously we had talked about the mountain line. That's that is the exact reason why they want you to film everything all the time, even if you're not doing anything, because that's exactly how I got that mountain line on camera. Is I was sitting in front of my campfire and I wasn't doing anything. I was doing nothing but sitting there staring into the coals, like having all the thoughts that you have when you in the wilderness you're thinking or you stare into the coals and filming myself doing nothing and this mountain lion sneaks up behind me i mean if i hadn't had the camera going one of the most amazing scenes ever captured on alone never would have never would have been there i wanted to see you shoot that thing and eat lion steaks over the fire (laughs) man (laughs) ah we all did Yeah, oh, you don't know how many times I thought about that. That would have been if you tackled it and snapped its neck, you know. <laughs> Hell, I damn sure would have tried if I could have caught him. <laughs> Clay, what was the most uh, useful skill you had um, out there that you like? That you felt like you used? You you were um, kind of on a next level compared to everybody else that helped you get through. Being stubborn. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, I, but really, I mean, perseverance is like any like anything in life i mean any difficult things that you that you would try to accomplish in life you're gonna f- you're gonna come up against massive difficulty mm-hmm. i mean anything worth accomplishing 
is defined by difficulty, I think. Right. Um, and so the ability to get through that um, without turning around and, and, and tucking tail, I think is a huge necessity. You know, if you're going to go the distance out there, you got to have that. You also got to have some luck too. Yeah, for sure. And you kind of made it known on the show about doing that for your boys, um, showing them that you can persevere through things and um, kind of have to be stubborn sometimes in life to, to get where you want to go. Oh, that was a good message. Yeah, you got to be you got to be stubborn. You got to be you got to persevere, but you also, you know, you have to adapt. Um, mm-hmm. You can't be so stuck in a in a course of action that uh, when new evidences or new situations present themselves, you can't pivot. Um, I mean, that, that, both of those things are, are pretty critical, but it's going to get, I mean, anybody that's going to go on the show, um, be, be prepared for it to be, uh, for things to not go right. Yeah. So they always talk about, obviously when people have families on that show, that's always like a highlight of like, this guy has two kids, you know? Um, and I know you took the perspective, like you were kind of saying, like you wanted to do this for your boys. Uh, and all that. Do you think having a family helps you or hurts you out there? I, I mean, it could go either way, depending on the person. Um, you know, I, I missed my wife and boys from early on, like, like after the first week, I think, I think, you know, in the book I said, like after day 12, I was like, man, this sucks. I'm ready to go home. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was ready to go home every single day and I wanted to go home every day, but I, I never, I was never going to do that, um, until they came and got me. Um, but it ended up, you know, there towards the end, uh, they, they, they ended up being, um, um, you know, a source of inspiration for me to, to stay there and, and not give up because I, you know, I'd asked before, before I went out there, I'd asked my wife to take on the full workload and anybody that's got young kids knows, especially boys, good God, they know how difficult or how much of a little pain in the ass they can be mm-hmm. oh, yeah. to their mama. Yeah. And so I'd ask her to not only take on all of that by herself, but also run our entire business, do all of that. I'd ask her to take take on all of that stuff. I'd also ask my boys to step up in their responsibility to help her help their mom because I needed, I needed to not, I needed to be in a place where I didn't have to worry about that. And I, and I talked to him about that. And so I was asking a lot of my family, I was asking them to take on responsibilities that they hadn't before and make sacrifices so that I could be out there. And there was no way that I was going to quit on them when I'd asked that of them. Hmm. And so they ended up being a, a, you know, a, a big part of my success, I think. Yeah. I would have to imagine that, uh, that's the biggest obstacle is, uh, is your own mind that's facing the, uh, the, the being alone. I mean, guys like myself, I mean, I've been on wilderness hunts and stuff and it's never a big deal. And you think, Oh, I could just go there and do that. But watching everybody on that show, I can see some pretty seasoned guys crumbling a little bit upstairs when they, uh, start facing like day 50 or something, you know, it is, um, you know, that's one of the things that's not that, that people overlook 
uh, is the mental aspect of it. I mean, people, people focus on the, the, the skills, you know, the hunting and, and survival and all of that stuff. But really, I mean, I, I get contacted all the time, um, about, or from, from folks that are either looks like they might go on the show or thinking about applying for the show. And I'm like, look, you need to, you need to practice those. You need to understand animal behavior. You need to be able to shoot your bow. If you're going to take a bow, you need to know how to set snares and all that stuff, but you need to start conditioning your mind. You need to read books, um, about, um, difficulty that people have faced and overcome. I mean, one of the books that I read, multiple times before and since going out there is is a book by victor frankel it's called man's search for meaning uh he was um a survivor of uh the nazi concentration camps and it i mean think about the the unimaginable hardships that those people faced and survived you know read stuff like that and then you can draw you know that kind of puts our petty suffering into perspective and you can draw on that type of stuff when you're out there um and and stoicism is is was huge for me anyway um yeah i i I, is that part of the keeping busy thing because uh idle mind starts working against you yeah you definitely need to to find a way to keep busy um and that's where those that dovetail box came in and the, the little, all the little carving projects, uh, that I did, but, um, yeah, you can, especially as the season wears on and the days get really short and the weather gets crappy, you spending more time in your shelter and your shelter is made out of a dark, dark green, um, tarp that they give you. And so it's like a cave in there. Um, you're half starved to death. And you got a lot of time to sit there and think about things, which is a, a huge uh, benefit uh, because it allows you to kind of examine your, your motives and, and the way that you live your life. I mean, that's a, for me, that was a, 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 a massively beneficial thing, but it can also, you know, if you let it, your mind can just like chew itself to pieces out there hmm. did you get a gist for uh, what kind of character they're looking for what they what they look for in the show as, as applicants no I, I i think they're just looking for interesting people who actually have the skills to do it mm-hmm. i would imagine people that already film because otherwise they got to do a lot of training with the filming doesn't matter hmm. that doesn't matter at all um i mean there there were people uh multiple people on my season, most of them actually didn't have any self-filming experience at all. So that's one of the things that you go over during that orientation period is they, they go through a camera training. Um, you know, they tell you, they they teach you all about storytelling and how to operate the cameras. And they just say, you know, the, the biggest thing that they just like constantly push is just roll, just roll that the quality comes second to roll, just film everything. And they have a they have a person behind the scenes that watches all of it. And I was like, at one point, I was like, God, man, whoever is watching all of this crap, I gotta buy you oh. a beer because that's a <laughs> that's a <laughs> big could, job. I do not envy the editors of that mm. level alone. That would be awful. People that people that don't know what they're doing with the camera. 
filming all oh, yeah. day watching that. <laughs> oh man. So Clay, you were on day 74, right? When they came in to get you. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Whenever they came in, did you have any idea in your mind that maybe this was the time they're going to come and get you to go home? That's a funny thing, man. It's, um, so I, I kind of, there was, there was something in the back of my mind because the, the schedule for med checks was off. They would, they had just mm. been there, you know, I don't know, not very long before and they, they were off schedule. So I was like, mm, mm. you know, I, that thought was in my mind, but I was like, I would not allow myself to think that because I didn't want to allow myself to hope that it would be the end. Because if I allowed myself to hope that it would be the end and they came out and did their med checks and then they left, that would have been crushing. And yeah. we've seen it on previous seasons. Um, I think it was Barry on season six. I mean, that's, that's a hard scene to watch. I mean, he is absolutely convinced that they're coming to tell him that he is one and they leave and they leave him there and he's not the last one. And he just has a absolute breakdown. Um, I didn't want that to happen to me. And so I had built up this like mental barrier in my head against, I never even thought about it. I, 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 I did everything that I could to not think about that. And so you can, if you watch that final scene or that final episode, when they tell me, you can see on my face if you watch it. I'm like, like, there's this kind of like, are you shitting me? Like, real, what? Yeah. What are you saying? I, I didn't even. I, it took me a, a couple of moments to even comprehend what they were saying because I had that that mental block. Um, but yeah, when it finally sunk in, it was like. So I'd imagine to some degree you're you're focusing on the worry that they're going to pull you out or say you're malnutritioned or something. I mean, there's, there's definitely that thought in your head, um, when they're, when they're coming back for those med checks late in the season like that, because they've already, they already warned me about my weight. You know, they already told me that I was, con they were concerned about, um, how much weight I was losing. And so there's you that thought. Like you're, you're, uh, I thought I heard you hint a couple of times that you thought it was going to go around a hundred days. So you probably did think it was a little early, didn't you? Well, I mean, I thought that it could definitely, it could be it, but I, like I said, I didn't want to, I didn't want to focus on that. I didn't want to hope that it would be you it. You put a number there and that's what you're going to end up with, right? Yeah. I mean, I was shooting for, I was shooting for a hundred plus days as my, like, okay, this is where I'm going to go. And if I can get to that, then I'll, um, figure out what I need to do to, to keep going. Um, I, I figured that it wouldn't go past a hundred days. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about alone for a while. I want to talk about bows a little bit before we uh, got you off here, Clay. Uh, I want to mention something else too. I think what some of the coolest videos on your YouTube is like some of the stuff your wife filmed while you were gone. Um, I thought that was really unique to where you can, you kind of see the, the other side of the coin from you're out there and then your wife is uh, at home with the boys and all that. So, uh oh, did we lose Clay? Kind of looks that way. He's a uh, he's a uh, statue right now. Maybe he's just real focused on something. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give him a second. But super cool guy, huh, Dan? Yeah, yeah. 
real knowledgeable. His uh his YouTube channel, if you guys haven't seen, I saw some people asking about it. It's it's uh for sure worth the um the subscribe and and uh, all that. He's the, got a uh, lot of the alone stuff on there too, where he does recaps of what happened and stuff, which is really cool if you've watched a series. Anybody who hasn't watched that series, you start watching it, you're gonna get addicted. It's really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, and he, yeah, and he even puts stuff up about like the new season and stuff, where he um, um, kind of talks about each episode as it goes. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fun, fun show to watch for sure. I haven't, I haven't started the new one yet, the new season. I don't know if I, um, I've known known um, Clay for a long time before he started on loan, and I was real interested whenever he was on it. So. I was really in, in, invested in his uh, um, his season, um, but anyway, we were going to get into. Uh, oh, yeah my uh, my computer froze up, so now I'm on my cell phone. Oh, you're all good, man. No worries. You're clear, crystal clear on your uh, your cell phone now. So, um, anyways, let's talk about. Uh, I was just pitching your YouTube channel a little bit more while you were uh, fixing your difficulties there. <laughs> um, so really your YouTube channel really got, uh, started back when you were, um, doing a lot of how to, how to bow building things, um, before alone. And that's kind of when I, I found you, my dad, and my uncle, they have these, uh, Osage self bows that they built, you know, when I was just a thought, uh, and, uh, I always wanted to make one a number of years ago. Now I've started making my own out of some Osage I cut down in my neighbor's woodlot. And uh, you, um, I bought this DVD off of you right here. Yep. And followed along with that. And I've built uh, a few bows and a couple little ones for my boy. Um, how did you get into self-bow building, Clay? In, in a world where that's kind of like a, you know, people look at me funny whenever they see me hunting with a self bow. Ah, uh, man, that's just one of those things that I kind of has always been. An, I don't know where it came from. It's just always been an interest to uh, of mine. <clears throat> and I, I tried to make bows as a kid and just never, never had any, never figured anything out. You know, that was before the internet, before YouTube. So there was. Um, very little instructions. And I finally found a book that gave me the instructions that I needed. And I think I made my first one in 1999 or so and uh, started hunting with them right about that time. And I've been making and hunting with them ever since. Did you ever hunt with a compound at all? Before I then? Did. Yeah, I hunted with a compound. Um, I think I got a compound when I was like 14 and hunted with it till I was um, 18 or 19 when I started making self bows. Yeah. If you had to, uh, explain to people why you, uh, why you should hunt with a self bow, what, what would you tell them in a world where everybody doesn't hunt with self bows anymore? What's the reason to hunt with one? Um, well, you know, there's just something pretty awesome when you can take a, a hatchet and go out in the woods and chop down a tree and make a bow and then put meat on the table with it. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, I had a heck of a time making my first one I, and I didn't take your advice on 
you always say like use like a cheaper wood or something when your first couple to um i was i got i had those osage stays and stuff that i worked so hard on and i bought one for my first one because i cut the osage trees down and split them and realized like oh these aren't ready for a couple years at least you know so my first ones i i built i bought some osage stays from uh, the tennessee classic and uh broke both of them and then uh finally my third try i got got a decent one out of it and my fourth bow was nice looking i did a good job on it um but uh can you like i get asked a lot about uh because i've hunted with a self bow on our channel a couple times and get i get asked about like you know some tips on how to start building a bow or what uh um what to do and i'm like i don't like i'm very novice and like i don't i just follow along with your your uh, dvd here that's all i did do you have any pointers for people that would like to try to build one themselves well i think the a, a great way to get started is just a board bow either from like a maple board from your hardware store or hickory the great one um or if you if you live in a part of, like you guys i imagine you got hickory around uh mm -hmm. go out in the wood and chop down a hickory tree and start uh, start whittling on it um just don't like a lot of the people that i get contacted by like they they have it in their mind that they want to build a bow like and it's going to be the best bow and they're going to be able to hunt with it and all this stuff and they might they might do that I, but i i i would advise you to treat the first one as a learning experience and just try to don't worry about it if you don't end up with a bow that shoots well um you know just learn what you can learn have fun and and that's what it's all about is you know having fun and and uh gaining experience and then the satisfaction when uh when you do get a bow that that really shoots well and you feel confident hunting with um that's pretty awesome yeah for sure first one i got done looks awful and i'm i don't even like showing it to people but <laughs> it's it did shoot an arrow i guess but um anyway i would recommend someone trying it if they if they have the uh inclination to ask me about it um I think it's it's pretty cool. I still haven't killed anything with them with mine, but um, maybe this year it'll change. Well, it's um, when you finally do, it'll it'll be something that you remember for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, my my wife is a fan of yours, Clay, and I, she wanted me to ask you something about uh, your kids before we we got we go to the questions and answers here um, from the chat. Uh, she was wondering, you, you know, you. Little Finn, he has his YouTube channel and stuff now. Um, how do you, how are you going to juggle your kids with your like the social media and the kind of the toxicity of all that? That you know, I know you see on your channel, we see on ours. Yeah, you know, I, I've thought a lot about that, and I don't, I don't know exactly how we're going to do that. We're just going to have to figure it out as the as the time comes. His right now, his channel. Uh, you know, but you can't post comments to it. So he can't, yeah. that's, that's kind of a crappy thing because like, I like to get nine, I'd say 98% of the comments I get are like really good positive comments, but every now and there's, you know, there's that jackass on there. Um, but I don't know. We're going to have to, we're going to have to see how that goes. I don't really know how we're going to handle it. Yet. Yeah, maybe to some degree, that's a learning curve because he's going to have to face it at some time. Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, 
you know, Finn is, he's got the personality type where he can, like, I think he'll let, be able to let um, criticism roll off of him pretty well. Um, so, yeah, we'll just have to figure that out when it gets there, when it gets time. Did you, uh, you guys, she also wanted me to ask you guys if you, if you enjoyed Compton, me and my wife and usually go there every year. We didn't go to this year because we were in, uh, we went to on vacation in Montana, but, um, she was wanting to know if you liked it out there. Oh yeah. We had a great, time. uh, great group of people, uh, really good courses. Uh, and, and the weather was absolutely fantastic. You know, people were talking about how hot it can be, but when we were there, it was, it was great. Good weather. Yeah. Um, we always enjoy it. It is hot sometimes, though. Uh, Compton's a little, uh, not little, it's a big traditional bow shoot up in Michigan that happens every year um, with a couple of traditional bow hunters. It's uh, a fun time. Even if even if you're not into hunting with a traditional bow, go and there's a lot of cool people you can meet and a lot of cool things there. Um, they have like talks every evening with a bunch of cool people. Clay talked this year. Um that's what that is. Okay. We had some questions coming in. People keep commenting, so I keep losing my spot, but keep commenting. It's all right. Um, who did you think was going to win alone if it wasn't going to be you, Clay, on season eight? <laughs> um, well, I was pretty confident that it was going to be me. Um, I mean, I think you got to have that confidence going if you're going to, if you're going to go the distance. Believe in yourself. <laughs> You gotta believe in yourself. Um, but uh, the other, the other guy that I really liked was Nate. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like Nate. I got to spend some time in quarantine with him, and he's a super good dude. Um, I like. He's got a good like life philosophy. Um, yeah, I, I really like Nate. But there's, I mean, there's so many, there's so many folks on those. Uh, on a lot of the seasons that are just, I mean, with just a little bit of a different roll of the dice, you know, anybody could have won that thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Someone ask Eric, ask uh, Clay, were you given a compass as a safety item uh, to be able to navigate? He said, I saw you shot a buck. I think you were something like two and a half miles away from camp. No, you don't have any kind of a, a map or a compass or any way to navigate. That's up to you to just dead reckon your way around and figure out your landscape. And that was one of the frustrating things to me is, um, you know, they on the way in there, they kind of point out your boundaries. Like, you know, don't go past that ridge. Don't go past that point, you know, up north on the shore and blah, blah, blah. Um, but you don't really know. Um, and so you, you might spend, uh, spend time waste it or spend energy trying to get somewhere and it might be out of your zone. So, but it, yeah, you gotta, you gotta just kind of scout out your area and learn it. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that I, I saw that on the uh, list that, uh, no compasses and I thought, wow. Yeah. You know, and you'll see like sometimes on the show, people will get disoriented and, and like kind of freak out like they're lost. Um, yeah. And some of those areas, um, like on, on my site, there was a lot of, it was pretty heavily forested and rolling. 
like really rolly hills and you'd have days when it was real overcast and so it was it was pretty disorienting because you didn't have the sun to to you know keep keep tabs on and then that rolling landscape where there's no like overriding aspect you know or anything like that that you can get turned around in that stuff pretty easy do you carry the uh or did the were the contestants carrying the um pick me up button everywhere they went yeah you're you're supposed to you're supposed to have it with you all times yeah i would imagine you wouldn't if you're going out in the lake because what if it's sunk right they yeah i don't know i never i never i didn't build a boat or anything um, I swam like when I set out my gill net for the first time, I, I talked about that, uh, clothesline system and I actually had to swim like, a, a I had a big rock that I was using as an anchor on top of a log and I swam that out there. They didn't show any of that stuff, but that was the only time I ever got out into the lake. Someone asked what a fisher is, Clay. That's you when you stand on the lake shore with us. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's who was visiting your camp and still in your rabbits. Yeah, it's um so a fisher is um so you, if you can if you can uh imagine what a wolverine is and just take like down one notch from a wolverine. There you go. Google it. Get a picture of it and Google. Um guys, I forgot to mention I'm I put the the link to the show to get in in the comments just now. So you can, you can call in. I put it in earlier too. If you call in though, be polite to, or if, if we have a call in guest comment section, please be polite to the, um, the person calling in. We had some people making fun of people last week. And I don't really like that. So kind of, this is our, our warning here. I'll, I can kick you off the show if you're, um, if I want to. So Ricky Pooh asks, what was your last weight when you got home? Rick's one of our buddies. What was my last what? Weight. How much did you weigh? Oh, um, so so when they came and got me, so I'd actually got down to about 140 pounds. Um, and then I gained a couple of pounds before I came out. And so I was like 142, 143 when I got back to the lodge that they take us to after they pull us out of the woods. And then before, before I came home, they, they kept me at the lodge for like 10 days, you know, to refeed and make sure you're healthy and all that stuff. And I think I gained, I don't know, eight pounds or so before I came home, um, maybe even 10 pounds. But a lot of that, like I was on a pretty much a strict keto diet. And so when you start eating carbs again, you get a lot of water weight so you can gain water, you can gain weight back real fast. Mm. I'm surprised that ain't that much lower than what your uh, normal weight was. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something, but I forgot. Oh, the, um, I did lose. So I lost pretty much all of my body fat. I mean, I was, I don't know what percent body fat I was, maybe 5%. Um, and, but the big thing was I lost a lot of muscle and it's, it's taken me, it's on, it's almost two years now and I'm just now getting back to where I was. I'm not even as, I don't, I don't have all my muscle back that I had before I went out there. Um, so it takes a while. It's a, it's a long recovery. Someone else, what was your, what's your plans for your, your uh, winnings? 
Well, we uh, paid off the house. That's the first thing we did. Actually, the first thing we did yeah. was when I was out there, uh, Liz blew up her Subaru. Um, timing belt busted on it, and the and the, the engine blew up. So we had to get her a new car. Yeah. Uh, then we paid off the house. Uh, we set up some college funds for the kids, and then we uh, invested a big bunch of it, which everybody knows what the stock market's doing now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you invested it. You bought you a boat, didn't you? Didn't I see? Didn't you oh, yeah. Bought, yeah, as I say, probably the best investment you made. Yeah, we, we, we bought a little river boat for, um, we do a lot of hog hunting down south. Uh, and so I bought that for, for mostly for hog hunting. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever think there will well, be uh, like a, a winner's thing where they bring the winners back to, to do a competition against each other? Yeah, now, um, everybody talks about that, but I don't think it's ever going to happen. I mean, they they might, they, they've done like a, what they call the redemption season where they brought past contest or past, past participants back. And they may end up doing something like that again, but for them to do like all 10 winners, that's never going to happen. You're not going to get all of them back. I suppose it's kind of yeah. an ordeal. You might not want to go back. <laughs> well, that, and then, um, I mean, there's like Zach Fowler. I mean, he's freaking crushing it. He's making a pile of money on YouTube just, and he doesn't have to starve to do it. Right. Yeah. And I, I follow a lot of you guys that like you guys as in like past winners uh, or even just participants. Some of the, some of the participants are just killing it on YouTube. I, I watched this guy, uh, his name's like Bush radical or something. I think he was a participant like him and his wife did the couples one or something maybe. Yeah. And you know, he has like close to a million followers on YouTube, you know, it's like, man. Um, okay. We got one question from Dan and then Clay, I'm going to, I'm going to let you in with a, a comment or a question I want to ask you. Someone asked Dan, are you thinking about going on alone? You must be asking <laughs> some good questions. That, that's uh, actually crossed my mind a few times. Uh, uh, I don't know if I want to or not. It's something I have to contemplate, um, but I don't think it's too easy to get chosen either. I think a lot of people apply. Yeah. People get tired. We get tired of me on your YouTube channel. I'd probably fly out and find you. Get back here and start making stuff. People weren't watching my stuff. No. <laughs> um, all right, Clay. Before we – oh, one second, guys. Got a call in. Adam, you're coming up here. Hey, what's up, guys? Hey. Couldn't, couldn't be a week without me calling in, right? Yeah, you're all good, man. Ask away. Hey, Clay, how you doing, man? Uh, how you doing? Good. So obviously your woodsmanship is, is kind of what helped you with the alone. Um, my question to you is what, what's my advice or maybe one key thing you could tell somebody that wants to improve their woodsmanship or, you know, be a better woodsman. Well, I would say just get into the woods, just time, time in the woods. That's how you get out there and you, you try to stalk an animal, you fail, you try again, and just do it as much as you can. I mean, I, I was so fortunate growing up, I got to spend my entire childhood in the woods, and then I had a career that put me in the woods all the time. So, yeah, that, that'd be it. Dirt time. Clay was also a biologist before he uh, was yeah, a that's kind of dramatically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's a... Uh, a good way to learn too is become a biologist. 
<laughs> go back to school and become a biologist. Is that what we're saying? <laughs> no, there's a, there's a lot of people that are like, I have some buddies that are like, walking circles around me with woodsmen, like naming plants and trees and just stuff like that. It's um, I always try to learn from people too. We, you know, Josh, like I watched that scouting video you put out and it, I go scout with somebody and it's, it's just amazing how I may see something that they don't see or they'll see something that I don't see or, you know, and, it, and I'm not saying one of them's better. I'm not saying I'm a better woodsman than they are or they are better than me, whatever. But I just think it's, it's a whole different perspective. You know what I mean? And I think mm-hmm. that some people... I may be looking for a buck bed and he may be looking for, you know, kind of runs and travel areas. And, and it, it's just, I think it's interesting, you know? Yeah. But, so yeah. anyway. All right, all right, man. Thanks guys. Thanks for, thanks for calling in. Talk to you later. Okay. Thanks for calling in, Adam. Um, Clay, just to wrap it up here. What's one lesson you learned from alone that you'd like to, uh, share with everybody. Your family is worth more than anything. And uh, that's one of the things that I really came to appreciate out there is, um, you know, it takes all of those things. This kind of experience takes all of those things that we take for granted, takes them all away. And it makes you appreciate those things. So absolutely. Your family is everything. Yeah. I think that's a, um, a good comment to end on there. Um, go buy Clay's book. I have everything Clay does linked in the description of this video. So you saw some people asking about his YouTube channel. You can just go down there and click on it and it'll take you right to it. Um, you can get on your website, right? Twisted Stave. Is it twistedstave.com? Yeah. Um, you can get the signed copies there or you can get it from Amazon if you'd rather do that. Mm-hmm. Those aren't signed. Yep. Go follow Clay's wife, Liz, on on uh, YouTube and stuff. She has some cool stuff. If you guys are into, um, I'm really into gardening, too, and homesteading stuff. So we like to follow along and see what you guys are all up to and that kind of stuff. Yep. And little Finn has his own YouTube channel, too, now. So Yeah, exciting things to come. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, everybody, we will see you guys next week. Thanks for getting on. And uh, subscribe. Uh, at the end of the this month here, we're going to give away some Beast Gear mini sticks if you're subscribed to the channel. So thanks for uh, everybody that subscribed, and uh, see you guys next week.